don't shortcut learning these basic tools. If you do, you're going to waste a lot of time and money. You're going to be greatly frustrated and you will significantly reduce your impact. Welcome to the Journey to Impact podcast, where we show you how to turn your unique passion into a strategy to change the world. Today, we're going to open up the Impact Toolbox and go through some tax-related tools that you can leverage in funding impact efforts. It's time to get off the bench. Let's do this. Here's your host, Ed Gillentine. So we're going to jump into the toolbox, and we're going to talk about two or three tax-related tools in this podcast. And it's not necessary for you to be a tax code expert, but if you do understand the goals and objectives and the principles behind a tax code, this is especially true when you get into a foreign country, but if you understand the objectives and principles behind a tax code or an economic incentive or a government subsidy, a lot of times you're going to better and more efficiently fund impact through those mechanisms. So the most basic tool in your toolbox is a charitable income tax deduction. And to give you an idea of how it works, I think this is kind of interesting. Consider that the highest marginal income tax rate in U.S. history was right after World War II, when it was set at 94%. So all of my conservative friends, probably me included, I should say fiscally conservative friends that are complaining about high tax rates right now in the high 30s, right, as of 2020, 94%, that's legitimately crazy. But even as recently as 1981, the top tax bracket was around 70%. So right now we're in the mid-30s. And if the U.S. tax code continues to allow a tax deduction for charitable contribution, that means for every dollar a U.S. taxpayer gives to a qualified 501c3 charity, they get a tax deduction. Obviously, some limitations and caveats based on the marginal tax bracket that they're in. So think about it this way, and I'm going to use some large round numbers because they're easy. If you're in the top tax bracket and you gave $100,000 to the Memphis Child Advocacy Center, you would receive, not taking into account a bazillion other potential variables that are unique to your situation, right? I'm always throwing these caveats in. You would receive tax savings of $37,000. Top tax bracket is 37%, right? Another way to put it is that this basic tool of the charitable income tax deduction means that this strategic impact organization gets $100,000 of cash and it only costs you $63,000 out of pocket because of the tax benefit, right? $100,000 minus $37,000. Or even another way to look at it, which I like to do, is if you gave away your $100,000 sort of target, and you went ahead and gave away your $37,000 tax deduction, you're going to be able to help fund impact even greater to the tune of $137,000. Obviously, it's a circular calculation, right? So I've got another friend, and, and, and again, we're speaking in principles, but he looks at the tax deduction as a government match, right? For every $100,000 that you give away, the government's going to match 37% of it. And I think for a lot of people, that match idea makes sense because you get a match in your 401k plan, right? So when you think about the basic charitable income tax deduction, it certainly seems to be true that it's more blessed 
to give than to receive. Certainly from a dollar and a tax perspective. Okay. By the way, on our website, you can go and we'll, we have some illustrations of how these work so that you can kind of see the math that I'm talking through. It's just a lot easier to see on, on paper or at least digital paper, if you will. So you can go to our website there at edgillentine.com and go to the resources page and you'll see that. Next tool, gifts of appreciated stock. Now I'm, I'm going to go ahead and apologize because I may even jump up on this recording table. I get so excited about this, right? I mean, a 37% tax deduction, a 37% government match seems pretty cool. But when you can do appreciated stock and get even more than a 37% tax deduction, I can get really, really stoked. So these are probably, frankly, one of the most overlooked tools in the toolbox, at least in the United States. But in principle, any investment gains in the United States are assessed a capital gains tax in the United States, typically when the asset is sold and the gain is realized. So anytime you can gift an appreciated asset, think like maybe uh, a lot of our clients have old Walmart stock, right? It's just the generation. And sometimes you'll run into old IBM stock. I ran into some IBM stock, I believe it was from the late 40s a year or so ago. And that was kind of the big stock. But you can imagine the gains recently. I saw maybe some Walmart stock from the uh, mid-80s. And it had a gain of like 2,700%, right? So almost all gain, all taxable. So anytime you can gift that, you don't have to pay the taxes on the gain in the investment and you can get the normal income tax deduction. So to help get the principle in your head, here's a super oversimplified example with my normal caveat, talk to your CPA, attorney, financial advisor before you do anything. If an impact-minded individual and the top tax bracket of 37% was to gift $100,000 worth of cash to Advanced Memphis, then they would get a tax savings of $37,000. But if they gave $100,000 of XYZ stock that had a cost basis of $60,000, which means that their taxable gain would be $40,000, instead of getting $37,000 of tax benefit, they would get $46,500 in change of tax savings. So an additional nine or $10,000. How is that? Well, you gifted the $100,000. You got the same tax deduction as if you had done cash. But instead of having to sell their stock and then give the cash and pay 23.8% long-term capital gains tax as it stands now, again, these calculations are on the website, they could gift that stock, not have to pay the long-term capital gains tax, which saves them $9,500 in change. So if you have appreciated stock and cash, you always want to look at gifting appreciated stock. That doesn't mean you do it because there's a million other variables, but you always want to look at that, particularly if you're in the higher tax brackets. The next tool that I want to talk about, and the last one we'll talk about in this particular podcast, is called a donor-advised fund. Usually you'll hear people call them DAFs, D-A-F. And they've been around for quite some time, although they really didn't take off in the mainstream probably until the mid-90s. In my opinion, probably one of the most powerful tools given to us in the United States by the tax authorities 
since probably the IRA. I mean, they're, I think they're a fantastic tool. In its simplest form, a DAF is an IRS-approved 501c3 charitable organization to which you make a donation into an account that's advised by the donor. That would be you. The donor-advised fund, people at management, have the right to disregard your recommendation. For example, if you recommend that they make a grant to an organization that's not tax-exempt for charitable purposes. Like, you can't put money in there, get a tax deduction, and then tell them to pay your child's private school tuition out of it or buy a car with it, right? They have the right to disregard your recommendation. But that rarely happens as long as you stay within IRS guidelines, right? Which kind of makes sense. If you are putting these contributions in your donor advised fund so that you can give to charities of your choice and you start getting no's from them, word's going to get out and nobody's going to use them, right? So current tax code allows for a tax deduction in the year in which the gift was made to the DAF. So as long as you make the gift before 1231 of the tax year, you get to take the tax deduction. But here's what's amazing about it. The dollars inside the donor advised fund don't have to be granted to a charity, to the 501c3, until you, the advisor, give them instructions to do so. So as of now, I think technically they can stay in there for like 99 and a half years or something. Where that's particularly helpful is if you have a job where you have big bonuses late in the year, and I'm thinking of, you know, large bonuses the last week of the year, and you don't really know what they'll be like, and you're not sure yet what charities you want to give to, well, you can drop those dollars into the donor advice fund and then take your time deciding which organizations you want to give to. Saves an awful lot of stress. Mistakes. I've seen a lot of mistakes in giving made at the end of the year because impact-minded people were up against that 1231 deadline to maximize the tax deductions for that tax year, right? They're also, donor advice funds, I think, are also really helpful when you've got a long-range strategy built around some metrics to help an impact organization. So, so think about Advanced Memphis. If I commit to making a donation of $100,000 over the next four years, so $25,000 each year, but I want to make sure that they're hitting their metrics and doing what they need to do, then maybe we say, in order to get the $25,000 each subsequent year, you need to make sure that you place 25 people in a job that they'll be able to hold for at least a year, right? And so that allows you to go ahead and put a large amount of money, take a great tax deduction in one calendar year, but be strategic, which is helpful for the organization, um, while granting those dollars over a longer period of time. So you get all the tax benefits, and let's say it's a new organization that you're really passionate about, but something happens, like a pandemic or something outside of their control, and they don't make it. Well, you've not wasted that money on a failed operation, and you can shift it to another impact project. Another benefit to donor advised funds is they can hold a lot of different types of assets, real estate, Ownership in privately held companies, which is a fantastic opportunity for those of you that own your own business. Collectibles. I've seen baseball cards, gun collections, all sorts of crazy things going on. 
precious metals, and of course, individual stocks. So that's really helpful when you get inheritances. Um, I, I mentioned privately held companies. If you have a privately held company that generates a lot more income than you need and that you can put back into the company, you could gift maybe 10% or 25% of that stock in there. And that way, the income generated for that 25% stock doesn't have the tax consequences of the stock that's outside of the donor buys fund. Lastly, I would say that a donor buys fund can be a really powerful tool for multi-generational impact. And we've already discussed the perpetual need for funds in many areas of impact, but a DAF can hold impact dollars built around a really long-term investing and funding plan that can last into perpetuity. And one of the neat things you can do is if you are trying to teach your children and grandchildren how to, to give, you can almost have them sit on a board there with you with the Donor Advice Fund and, and discuss different strategies for giving, ask them to bring their strategies to the table. We did that with our kids recently, and usually we do it around Christmas time. It's, it's kind of becoming an annual thing where we'll ask them, what, what are you thinking about supporting? And so our oldest daughter, we get into a bit more details. Our younger kids, we keep it kind of simple. And I believe our middle daughter who loves dolphins last year wanted to give to a dolphin research and rescue center. And so she already learned that not all of them are created equal, right? And some of them are quite abusive to the animals. And so we helped her look around and, and, and guided her to find one that was humane and strategic. And then we asked her how much she wanted to give. And I'll make a confession as a parent. She had saved her money really well, and she wanted to give $100. And I was like, wait, 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 Maddie, maybe maybe don't give $100, maybe give $25. She said, nope, I want to give $100. Can you, can you just hear me, the parent that's supposed to be teaching generosity, <laughs> trying to dial back her generosity? But what we had done is we told them we will give two times what each of you give. And so ultimately, we made a $300 donation out of the Donor Advised Fund with her guidance in her name to the Dolphin Rescue Mission. And so there's a lot of things you can do with family. It's also worth considering a donor advised fund if you make a lot of different gifts to a lot of different organizations, really no matter the size. So if you're giving to more than 10 or 15 different charitable organizations per year, your CPA or your tax advisor is going to love you because all the giving flows through the donor advised fund and he or she only has to deal with one tax document. So it's just a lot easier. There's an illustration of how funds flow through a donor advised fund on our website again under that resource center. And I'd encourage you to look at that because when you see the picture, it just makes a lot more sense. We're going to wrap up this podcast about the basic tools of impact. And again, I want to really challenge you, don't shortcut learning these basic tools. If you do, you're going to waste a lot of time and money you're going to be greatly frustrated, and you will significantly reduce your impact. So be disciplined. Do the hard work. I promise you it's going to pay off. Until next time, remember these three words. Embrace, build, act. That is, embrace your unique vision of impact. Build your unique impact strategy. And act, that is, get off the bench. Get into the game, because the world needs you. Thanks for listening. In the next episode, Ed's going to cover some more of the tools from the Impact Toolbox. Until then, embrace, build, act.